Where is she? Get it. Oh, there we are. <laughs> huh? Just a little burp on screen by accident. Is this an accident? Is it live? Didn't mean it. Yeah, I'm live, yeah. Just live, just waiting for someone to join. Anyone out there? Oh, it'd be amazing. I mean, just imagine how embarrassing it'd be if it's just me and Sally. There she is, Cass, first. Sally's there. Right, right, Dad, there you go, hang on. Sally, wait there, I'm coming for you. Wait there. Hold on. Oh, it's telling me on another account there. Come on, right. Oh yeah, turn your volume down a bit. Right, come on, Sal. Where are you? Here you go. Come on, baby. Where is she connecting? There she is. Wow, there you are. Oh, hang on. You've got circles just going around your face. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Your, your connection's not really... I can't really hear... I can't hear you or hear you. This is the, the trials and tribulations of live TV. Is that better? Can you hear? I can't hear you at all. Oh, I can hear you. Oh, there you go. Hang on. There you go. That's better. Are you <laughs> Perfect. on? Yeah, I'm on. Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm all right. Sat in the sunshine, you know? Yeah, no, it looks nice. Yeah, you got some, have you got some booze in hand? Cheeky little JT. Oh, great. Yeah, and when you say little, you really mean little. <laughs> um, so, uh, how's it all going? Yes, you know, still, well, what's week five, is it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, it's just, I don't know, like, nothing myself or Matt have ever experienced you know we've never had this much time off we've never spent this much time together we've never I know. I, like, been in our house this much like it's very strange well, I was say, for those of you that don't know sally's husband's also a chef so are you, you presumably you you work at the same time all the time you basically yeah. work 24 7 and so yeah. now presumably you're just trying to kill each other well actually we've been all right we've only had like a couple of small tiffs uh there was an incident last week where he was trying to do the hoovering and I thought that he walked in front of me on purpose and I was putting some washing on, so I was like, fuck you, and I threw all the clothes at him. I was like, you fucking do it. But other really? than that, it's been all right. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because uh, we, Alice will vouch for the fact that we have never had an argument whilst I'm doing the hoovering. Um, <laughs> mainly because, yeah... I'm never doing the hoovering. Yeah, but, me neither. Um, I don't even know how to use the hoover. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's not my job. So, have you had any? So, are you sort of both? Are you both cooking? Do you cook well together, or? Uh, not really together. No, we kind of uh, end up bickering. We try and do it together. So we we've been taking it in turns. So we've been like writing ourselves on a, at the weekend. We've been writing ourselves like a rotor for the next week. But oh, we're gonna rotor, cook, who's right. going to cook what? Yeah, I mean, you know, keep. keep <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but other, it makes sense because then you know what food you need to order, and you know you need, you need what meat you need to get and stuff. So then, and what? And do, do you cook pretty simple things at home, or? Um, I think it depends on how we're feeling, really. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, obviously, it's a lot more simple than anything we cook in. Well, it's certainly in Matt's restaurant. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just you know, 
nice things. I'm actually going to make soup dumplings tonight, which is exciting. Oh, we saw Alice said that you were you were after you were after some sort of dim sum recipe or something. Yeah, it's uh, uh, a recipe. Yeah. Well, I um I one of my other favourite restaurants, obviously apart from the Harvard, um, is A Wong, and I'm sure yes. I'm not alone in that. And, yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, they, I actually, because I think it, their book is like out of print or something, and so. Oh really? But the, the e copy is like. I don't know, it's like three quid to get it. And oh, nice. I've cooked quite a lot of stuff out of the A1 book, um, which is great. So, yeah. I, oh, apparently I keep freezing. Can you turn your, have you got another, apparently? Right, apparently we've got, need to turn other Wi-Fi devices off. Tommy, You're Tommy. a bit blurry. Oh, am I? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, right, okay, right, so. Tell us, right, so for those of you that do, don't know, just to recap, so Sally is uh, the head chef, do you call it an executive chef? No. Uh, and holder of uh, a Michelin star at London's only uh, pub with a Michelin star. Um, and so where, where did it all start for you, basically? How did you get into food? Um, well, it wasn't like a normal path into food i didn't grow up you know cooking with my family we ate crap as kids because we my mom worked full time uh, as a head teacher so um then she you know did her best but it wasn't a uh, fine dining home cooked yeah, food yeah. by any stretch of the imagination there was a lot of uh you know things that go in the microwave and things that come out of tins but you know it was the 90s so <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of standard um i kind of fell into cooking uh just by cooking for myself so when i moved i moved, I left home at 18 and uh, moved in with my boyfriend at the time in sheffield um and i just got really into cooking at home and i really really enjoyed it and um i was like you know i think i i'd kind of been drifting like i you know just sort of did my levels didn't really know what I wanted to do and then I thought about being a journalist and then you had to get like straight A's in your A-levels and I was like nah it's obviously not gonna happen because I was too busy you know drink going out drinking and smoking um yeah so just got really into cooking and um and then looked into sort of qualifications as it were um and I'd already got A-levels so I didn't want to go back and do an NBQ so I ended up enrolling on hospitality business management at Sheffield Hallam okay um which was a sandwich course so you were supposed to do two months two sorry two years study a year in industry and then come back and finish the final year yeah um so i came down well when they said where do you want to go i just got i just wanted to go to the savoy like i didn't know anything about it i was just like the savoy it's the best hotel in the world yeah That's where it's I'm gonna basically go. the whole nigel yeah. thing right right at the end where he turns up at the savoy and just says Can yeah I have a job? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew nothing. Like, I literally knew fuck all. Like, I walked in there on my first day and they were like, can you bring more shallot? And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was quite cocky when I was 20. So um, so I kind of, you know, just modelled my way through it. But I was actually supposed to do six months in the kitchen and six months front of the house. But after about a week in the kitchen, I was like, this is it. That's like, that's it. Really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously didn't go back and finish the degree. I just stayed in London. And then um, oh, when... Yeah, when uh, the Savoy closed for the big refurb in 2007. Yeah, right. So then they... Oh, so was that Ra was it Ramsey there? Yeah, yeah, it was Marcus Waring. Yeah, it was a Gordon Ramsay restaurant run by Marcus Waring. Um, so, yeah, then I moved over to Claridge's, 
which is you know where I spent quite a long time, just over two years there. So um, that's where I kind of learned the basics of cookery, which you know probably worst places you could learn yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> how to cook. Uh, and that was like a fucking mental intense kitchen. You know, it was just insane and. Uh, you just so much expect of you, but you learn to sort of run and you, you know, you just yeah, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. get on with yeah. it. Um, uh, and then after that, I went to the Ludbury, which is where I stayed five met, years. Right? Indeed, yes. Yeah. So when was that? I was trying to think, was that, was that roughly kind of 10 years ago? Would it have been? Um, I worked at the Ludbury from 2010 to 2015. Yeah, so it would have been yeah, sometime. 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, so sometime yeah, in yeah. that period. Um, yeah. It was and much. Just, we um we went to the. I, I started there much because we went for. I think it was our anniversary it was in February, so we went to Libra for dinner. And I'd actually come off the back of like seven doubles, then done a trial in the day, and I actually fell asleep in the Ledbury toilets at dinner. No. <laughs> And then had to get woken up. Yeah, had to get woken up. But do you remember Sarah? Yeah. Who used to be assistant manager. Yeah, she yeah, had come yeah. and knock on the cubicle. Now, right? Yeah, yeah, she had to come and knock on the cubicle door and be like, are you all right? And I was like, what? What the fuck? Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, then we went down to the kitchen afterwards and I still got off the job, so it was fine. <laughs> Classy. Nice. So, well, yeah, so you, um, And so, and then after the Ledbury, you went to Ellison Street. Did you go straight away when it opened or? No, I well, I did when it opened, but I actually, in between that, I actually went and did food writing for a year and a half. Oh, right. So, um, did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so after I left the library, I, like, my head was frazzled and I just needed some time, you know, out of... A, a lot of time of rat race. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's a website, I don't know if you know it, called greatbritishchefs.com. Okay. It's a recipe website, basically. It's very good. It's got most of the Michelin star chefs in the country that have, have contributed recipes to it. Um, so I did lots of like recipes. So I'd get the recipes from the chefs yep. that were in, you know, scroll, and then I'd translate them into uh, normal human beings being able to read it. it. Yeah, yeah. And I also did quite a lot of um, lot of recipe development and food styling there as well. So it was really, really fun actually, and it was a nice welcome change. But I did start getting itchy feet um, after a year or so, and then when I saw that Phil was reopening, I'd always wanted to work for Phil. Yeah, you know, got loads of respect for him, so I contacted Brett and said, "Look, can you get me in here, sort of thing?" And then, yeah, so I was. Super I imagine. Um, I imagine he's uh, very calm in comparison. I mean, I never really see that kind of that aggro side of Brett so much uh, as perhaps happens in the middle of a service or something. But I imagine mm. Phil. Phil, I imagine to be, I don't know, kind of like the male version of Claire Smith, kind of like running quite a calm kitchen. No, I mean, it's calm, yeah, but I think Claire's kitchen's probably a bit more organised. Like, Phil, the, the nicest thing about working with Phil is that he cooks from his heart. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He's, yeah, not yeah. Really, he's not really bothered about recipes or, you know, like prestigious or whatever he just he's just like right i'm gonna make this today and that was a nice thing to work with him just to be like he'd just come in and he claps his again and go right today we're gonna make crab apple jelly or today we're gonna make you know this and i'd be like amazing i know all terrines like he taught me how to yeah. make, like game terrine and stuff and, and learning all that like i've got a real vested interest in like yeah. old cooking yeah and um, so trying learning those more classical things from him was um was absolutely fantastic and he and he's just 
the most lovely guy. Like, I don't know, I, like, the first time we met, we just, you know when you just meet someone, you click, and you're just like, yeah. I just I just have so much respect for him. Like, I literally love the guy so much. Yeah, it's, I it, know, was, he's, it was a real shame that we only got to work together for such a short space of time. Like, time. I think had, you know, had things been different, I'd probably still be working with him now, but just the way yeah, it's worked, I, essentially. I think, um, you know, I... I I kind of uh, through uh, through chance really more than through design I ended up having a huge number of my sort of landmark dinners or lunches of my life uh, at the square and um, it was I just absolutely loved that restaurant and people used to say to me oh the square you know it's quite heavy cooking and things and I don't know it was just like I always used to find it was just on point yeah, fantastic it is, I loved yeah. eating there it, it, it's just unapologetic cooking as well Phil feels like here it is on a plate if you don't like it you can just fuck off basically that's like the way yeah, yeah, yeah. the way he rolls and i love that i love that he's just like yeah you know he's when he puts truffle on something he puts masses and masses of truffle on it and yeah. you know when he puts langoustines he puts the biggest langoustines and he's just not bothered he's just like yeah, just do it tastes great yeah. <laughs> So then, um, so then you moved to the Harvard after. I mean, as as we, as as you know, I over the years been to the Harvard a few times, but uh, haven't haven't as much actually in recent years. But so there was a, there were a string of of, of chefs, um, and then you've sort of added a huge amount of kind of stability. Uh, to that in how long have you been there um just it was three years at the end of february okay yeah. and so so uh, so a few questions around that so yeah in that time how would you say the food has changed from kind of pre-harvard to what have you tried to implement and how have you tried to change that style um i think obviously i've put my own sort of touch on it I think I've kind of like realigned it with what it's really supposed to be but I try and do it in an elegant way so I don't like yeah. the, I want the food to be hearty and I want the food to be wholesome and I want it to fill you up but I don't want it to look rough and ready if that makes sense so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of finding that balance between between the two and and balance for me is, is you know I, I do love rich heavy food but I'll always balance it with acidity or um you know, it, it has to be a balanced plate of food. I don't want people to walk out feeling hungry, and I also don't want people to feel, walk out feeling, you know, unwell because they've eaten so much food. Yeah, I mean, it's quite difficult because essentially, you know, the brief can only go so far because basically it's an English pub, right? I mean, that's kind of like yeah. it has to retain that element as. Yeah, as, exactly. Yeah, I mean, as, that is one of its. That is one of the limitations, really. I think with it, um, obviously, you know, I mean, the only person that's really cracked the real fine dining pub thing is is tom kerridge um but yeah. you know the food is so much more refined there that I, it's not that i don't really i don't want to cook food that refined like that's not what, yeah you know that's not what brings me yeah in. i love it eating it but i don't want to i'm not that <laughs> i am not that arse to stand there and you know yeah boning out rabbits rabbit, yeah rabbit. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's lovely, and I appreciate it. And the skill and craftsmanship that go into it is is fantastic. But it's just not what I want to do. Yeah. You know, I could never work where Matt works. It drives me mountain crackers trying. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Well, one of the 
one of the one of the, the, the sort of all-time great dishes that I had a long time there is when Claire was there and she did this rabbit dish and it had like it looked like a miniature like, like kind of rib of beef but it was rabbit and it was down to like I mean it was about that big and it was all French mm. boned and kind of and you're just like how much time does that take I mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so is the kind of food that you cook it, at the Harwood uh, what you cook at home or do you come home and go right I'm gonna like now now I'm not at work I'm gonna do something completely different I really like to use uh, more spice when I'm at home like I will put lots of chilli and ginger and garlic in, yep. in most things to be honest yeah we do lots of uh, sort of stir fries and Thai style stuff and Chinese style stuff and um, you know just that it's just a complete world away from from what I cook and um, you know I'd never it's not really my it's not really my place to cook that food in a restaurant it's not my yeah. I mean I've, I, I don't know anything about I, well, I don't know enough about it to, you know, to cook it for the people, I don't think. Um, but yeah. I have to cook it for myself. And um, it's just, yeah, it mixes it up a little bit. I mean, we've been cooking everything, actually. We've been cooking Thai. We've been cooking um, Chinese. We've been making pizza. We've been, you know, we've been doing loads of stuff. Uh, it's been really nice, actually, just to have that time to actually... Because we, I think we've been off for, yeah, five weeks and we've had one takeaway the whole time. That's it. Really? Yeah, which normally we'd have two a week when we're working because we have to cook. So. Is your, is, and is your, do you have your kind of kitchen at home and do you have a, you know, like a pizza oven or like a wood-fired thing in the garden? Uh, we've or... got a big green egg. Nice. Yeah, it's got a cover on it, that's not very exciting, is it? Um, obviously, because Matt's Australian. I mean, we've got lots of gadgets and stuff in the kitchen, but the kitchen itself is, is minuscule, so it's right. quite frustrating. You just have to sort of... Yeah, I can imagine, going. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we've got... that. in the restaurant, or if you're eating at home, generally, or kind of uh, like no. taking, no, like stocks or like anything like that, or just sort of... No, I mean, the only thing that I... Uh, yeah, if like, if we were having people over for a Sunday roast, we'd, I'd maybe like take some beef sauce, because, you know, you yeah. can't make beef sauce nicely from portions so. yeah, yeah yeah okay well so and in the time in the time that you've so you've been in food I mean what changes have you seen in British cooking generally compared to what is it now 15 years well I mean when the term British cooking is, is quite kind of a difficult one because well the British like, food scene maybe the British uh, the British food scene I think well up until a couple of weeks ago is is you know absolutely flourishing but i think a lot a lot of it is like people saying they're cooking british food but then they're not because they're using like dashi or you know soy or something just wacky stuff which is fine but it's not british so you can't call it british so i think that there is maybe i don't know like if you think about how many i mean there's lots of good pubs right but there's not a lot there's not that many that do good food yeah like really, in the in the in London, there's probably ten that do decent food that yeah. I can think of. Yeah, yeah, I, and that's I, quite I, sad, really, isn't it? That, that you know that all these pubs just do really crap, and it's not difficult to make fish and chips nice, and it's not difficult to even make a burger nice. But some but people just—it's just the love, I suppose. That there's not there's not much glamour in working in a in a you know boozer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in um, the yeah, and and how in that time would you say that? Um, sort of female chefs, leading female chefs. I mean, you're now obviously in London, one of the leading female chefs. I mean, 
how <laughs> how is that? I mean, how many female chefs have Michelin stars in London? I'm interested. Uh, no? mm, I don't know. Maybe four, five. Know. four or five. Yeah. And how how have you found sort of you know in, in the wine industry we always call it a kind of like like an old boys club. It's a you know mm. full of sort of crusty old men and. And and I guess the restaurant scene in the past has been very. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there are those crusty old men in the hospitality industry as well, but I just don't associate myself with them. You know, but, I just don't. I don't sort of yeah. go in their circles. I try and surround myself with forward-thinking people. That uh, you know, I can't say I've really ever been held back for being a woman, but okay. I have had to work harder. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and who out of sort of male or female is your kind of idol? Who is would be your right if that person walked into the Harwood tomorrow? Maybe they have already. I don't know. It's a really difficult question. I mean, there's so many people. Like, um, I mean, there's lots of people that I'd love to cook for. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gabrielle Hamilton is is probably one of the most inspired. Like, I read her years ago now and, and that's probably one of the, like, the most inspiring stories I've read like I ate at Prune in New York when we were there last time yeah. it was just amazing and it's just you know super simple all female team oh wow oh hang on is that me that's gone oh yeah there you go oh sorry yeah go on um, yeah all female team and um, yeah she I'd love I'd love to cook for her one day maybe you know you never know but I don't know. In terms of idols, I don't. I don't. I'm not the sort of person that really idolizes people. Yeah. If that makes sense, I just kind of do what I do and get on with. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, what was I going to say? Okay, right. So we covered that bit. I'm just looking through my thing here. So right. Okay. So let's let's come down to a few. I've had a few food tip requests. Go for it. Given that people are yeah, the weather's great, everyone's locked at home. A lot of people are using barbecues and whatnot. So, um, first question I've got is uh, based around what we found. We tend to shop day. Uh, we tend to shop day to day when we're in London, right? Yeah. And since we've been here, we've been having to make shops last two, you know, a week, two weeks, whatever. So, things like preserving carrots, for example. And sort of okay, not not salads and stuff, obviously, but vegetables. Mm. I mean, how would you go about kind of like you know you see like when you go to Farvican or somewhere like that, the kind of bottled carrots. And yeah. Like that. How would you go about doing something like that at home? Well, I think the thing with fermenting and pickling is you've got to think first of all, is it really worth doing? Like, right? Are you ever going to use it? And if you do, it's so strong once it's that fermented or pickled, you're probably only going to use half a carrot or one right? at a time. I just get so, yeah, I mean, you think so about, you mean, you're never going to eat an entire bowl of pickled carrots for your dinner, are you? To be honest. Like, you're not. Yeah. You're just not. So, yeah. I mean, me personally, I'd rather get a load of mints and then use the carrot to celery or whatever and make a big stew and just freeze and that. And then, yeah, and then it, for me, that's, that's a better way to use up leftovers. But if you did want to pickle, I mean, there's obviously, you know, I mean, fermentation um, is is quite a simple process, really. You just, you know, rub salt into it and 
cover it and leave it and it, and it will just start to okay. it's just that I get in so much trouble if anything gets wasted in yeah I mean I, I, I'd certainly yeah I hate waste as well but I mean like with vegetables and stuff you, you, the best thing to do is make soup out of it uh, or just think you know I, I yeah. just chuck stuff in into dishes that wouldn't normally be in there just you know you slice carrots thinly they're lovely in a salad or you know you can shred them you make coleslaw there's lots and lots of things you can do I mean, if you desperately did want to pickle them, then yeah, go, by all means, go for yeah. it. How long will that jar of pickle just sit around in your house until one day you think, oh, I'll put some pickled carrots in that. <laughs> Indefinitely. Right, okay. we covered that one. That was that was on my list just to make sure that I've got something in my mind for next time I'm getting a talking to about the carrots going off. <laughs> um, right, okay. So another one for me is... So, my favourite dish at the Harwood is the um, is the potato and cheddar tart, right? Onion and cheddar tart, yeah. Onion and cheddar tart, sorry, which I know <laughs> that you did live. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, whenever I try and do anything with pastry, it always shrinks. It will. It will um, always. It will always shrink. Uh, to some extent, but the best way to stop it shrinking is to let it rest. Uh, as in, like, as you laying it, or both. So you want to make so I'll just put my phone on charge. It's gonna die. Um, you want to make the pastry and then let it rest for at least an hour, and then when you've lined the tart mould, if you leave that to rest as well, then um, it won't shrink as much. Okay, let's just say hypothetically, and clearly, I'm not talking about me here. But if yeah. you weren't making your own pastry and uh, yeah. maybe it was, uh, maybe just roll had made it for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how would you, would you, what sort of temp should you be then letting that sit at a temperature or? Once you've rolled the Well, you pastry. just roll it out, don't you? I mean, sometimes. Yeah. You just oh. roll it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Um, I mean, that, the thing is. Just roll is it's made from vegetable oil rather than butter, so you're never really going to be on to a winner with that in the first place. Um, right. You have to look out for the all butter one. But uh, but you you'd line the tart and then you ideally like if it was a big size like an eight inch sort of twenty inch uh, twenty centimeter tart ring, you'd probably want to rest that for at least half an hour in the fridge. It just lets all the gluten relax in the pastry. Ah, okay, so resting it in the fridge. So it's not a case of bringing yeah. it up to temperature. It's a case of, like, literally... Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, resting Got it, it in the fridge. Um, and then um, you want to put... You want to fill it with baking beads. Like, rather, you don't just want to put a sprinkling in the bottom. Like, it wants to be packed, packed all the way to the top. And that's the best way to keep it in a nice shape. And you blind bake it then, do you? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, and so, I mean, forgive my ignorance... Um, yeah, there's no when you put the baking beads in it's not yeah. stopping the bottom from browning or anything like that it, or... it will slightly so what you need to do is so you want to line the tart and then i always use cling film rather than parchment because it means you can get more sharp edges and then you want to fill it with the baking beads and you blind bake at about 170 175 um and it'll take quite a long time like a 20 centimeter tart case will probably take 30 to 40 minutes um, but so you want to bake it with the beads in until it's cooked and then take the beads out and give it a couple of more minutes just to colour. Okay, I see, right, okay, cool. But you have to make sure it's cooked before you take the beads out, otherwise the pastry will rise and then you'll end up with a puffy bottom, basically. 
Okay, perfect. Right. So um, uh, I've had one from someone who's starting to get into cooking and he's using his egg quite a lot. And he basically is saying his missus doesn't eat anything apart from chicken breast. Okay, as in like she doesn't eat thighs or whatever, right? Yeah. He's tr he, when he puts it on the barbecue, it just dries yeah. out. And when he yeah. sous vides it first, it comes out kind of like pink. And yeah. So how he's just getting into cooking, but he's already sous viding. That's quite impressive. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I think you know, it's like you know, all the gear, no idea. I mean, I'm the same. Right? <laughs> so, it's you, Gareth. So how? Is <laughs> so how would you? Uh, how would you cook chicken breast on a barbecue? Uh, I would personally chop it up into chunks, marinate it, and then put it on skewers. Yep. And then you could do it like a kebab, and you could cook it really quickly. It'll probably only take three or four minutes or four or five minutes. And the mar the marinade—that's one that I've been sort of playing with here quite a bit—is the marinades and and like um, so you need something that's acidic and something that's fatty, or how does it work? Yeah, I mean, uh, yogurt is, is my favourite thing to marinate chicken in, yeah. Like, Natural yogurt. Yeah, you could do it in, like, yogurt and, like, Indian spices. You could do some, like, cumin, coriander, turmeric. Um, yeah, and the yogurt just helps, like, break it down. Or you could marinate it in buttermilk as well. Buttermilk works quite nicely. Nice. You can get hold of buttermilk, but, <laughs> but yogurt, yeah, yogurt's absolutely fine. Okay. Because one of the things that I thought about was trying to get breast on the bone. And then that might protect some of it drying out and or not really. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, it would be cooked on the outside before it was cooked in the middle. So it'd just be, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you could do, like, a nice way to do it would be to just do a whole chicken and then he could eat the legs and his, and his missus could eat the breast. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, I mean, chicken breast is, is one of those things, especially on a, the, the egg is so hot that chicken doesn't really benefit from being cooked that, that hot unless it's in small pieces because then it can get cooked really quickly. Got it. Okay. Um, right. Short ribs of beef. Um, one, what, a sort of a method, but then a classic style and maybe an alternative style. Well, when we cook short rib at the restaurant, we will salt it for six hours. So we'll do, we always do 16 grams of salt per kilo of meat and okay. then pepper and then we leave that for six hours and then we'll um we barbecue on the big green egg that we've got on the roof of the pub yep just to get the flavor into it and then we actually and then we'll make like a separate beef stock that we'll just sort of roast off some uh, carrots and shallots and garlic and thyme uh and then put some red wine and some stock and then reduce that down and then we actually cook it at 85 degrees overnight for eight hours um, which obviously is quite unrealistic for most people to do at home. But if you've got a backpack machine, we do it at 85 for eight hours. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Like the I mean, yeah, yeah. Out and... I think, you know, the, the thing about the, so you're talking about, are you talking about sous viding it when you're talking about the backpack machine? Yes. Yeah. So basically, I mean, this is the thing, because when they, they first came out, you had to buy the whole bloody water bath and you had to buy all this stuff. And actually, it was a mate of mine, Harry, who I saw was just making a comment earlier. Um, because I thought you need all the kit to backpack it and stuff. And actually, he just had one of these sticks, which costs about 50 quid. Yeah. And then after that, he just used a big freezer bag and just made yeah, sure yeah. that the top was out. And as long as yeah. it was 
um, submerged, um, you know, and, and it worked. And so actually, yeah, you, you know, certainly and I, did I, that way. And it's, it's I mean, alternatively, easy. alternatively, you could just put it in, the, in a really, really low oven at like 100 degrees and it'll probably take five or six hours. Um, okay. and it'll be just as nice, but obviously the hotter it is, the the more cooked the meat, the more cooked flavour the meat will have. Doing it 85 is nice because it's not, it's not, you know, when Matt does it, he does it at like 58 for four days or something and it's still pink, but I find it a bit smushy like that. So this way it's, this way I think it would be perfect if you're doing like pulled, if you want to pull, do pulled beef or, I mean, okay. we we press it into slabs and then pan fry it, but you, you so, know, there's and, a million things to do with it. And speaking with your kind of, um, what's the word, kind of, uh, you know, ginger, soy, kind of home cooking hat on, what would you yeah. do with it from that point of view? Would you sort of cook yeah. it the same way and then glaze it or? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You could you could make like a master stock, like a Chinese master stock and cook it in that. That'd be absolutely mega, yeah. That'd be really, really nice. Really delicious. That yeah. sounds good. So, um, right, we've gone through that. We've gone through Someone's that. Someone's just so asked, what salt percentage do you brine that, yeah. um, So we brine all our fish at 7%. Um, and we, for monkfish tail, if it was big monkfish tail, I'd probably leave it for sort of 15 to 18 minutes in the brine. It's amazing the, uh, you know, the precision about these kind of things. I remember the first time um, Brett ever gave me some pheasant eggs. And he was like, look, pheasant eggs, you can't really, you know, and he said to me, he's like, put them in. He was like, the size that they were. And he said, look, you boil them at, I think it was like two minutes, 50 seconds. And I was like, oh, not three minutes. And he went, no, they'll be over. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> I know, quail, quail eggs is two minutes and eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so It just is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nuts. So, okay, fine. So, um, and then while people are at home, so the easiest um, Harwood dish or the easiest Harwood style dish uh, that you that you can make at home? Um, I think probably the easiest one uh, would be, you know, just a really lovely, simple roast bit of fish. So like roast lemon sole. Um, last summer I did lemon sole with green sauce. So like a salsa verde. So we got like mint, uh, mint, parsley, oh. chervil, a little bit of tarragon, a bit of lovage. Um, chopped it all down with some capers, um, olive oil, uh, what else do we put in there? Obviously, salt and pepper. Um, yeah, and just make a beautiful, like, I love herb, that. green so herb good. sauce. Just spoon loads of that over the top, and then we just did it with roast radishes. But what what we do? So you pan fry the sole in uh, in butter, yep. and then once the once you've flipped it over onto its second side, you actually put the radishes in the pan with the fish. So it taught me through a roast radish, radish quickly. Roast. So, you well, no, well, no, 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 you don't need to cook it, just like straight in with the fish, pan roast it, yeah, and then you finish the whole thing with a massive squeeze of lemon juice, and then you get these beautiful, like, butter and lemony radishes, and, well, yeah, it's just tasty. Yeah. Good. And it's super simple, and you could do some, you know, boiled new potatoes or Jersey Royals or something on the side, and whatever you felt like, really, but that's, <laughs> that's probably the simplest thing, yeah. I'm going to be ending this early just so I can go and eat. Um, the, okay, so, um, right, moving on. So, the Great British Menu, mm. um, which was amazing. 
Uh, it was Thanks. the first week that we were here and it was just like, and you said that you were on it and this and the other. And um, so we watched it here and I just, I tell you, it was. So for people who haven't watched it, I'm going to give you a little spoiler. I'm not going to tell you the result, but basically um, Sally gets the highest score in the preliminary round of any contestant in history of the Great British Menu, which is absolutely epic. Um, how, like, how was it? Like the experience of that much yeah, better I mean, than me. It was, um, it was a great experience, yeah. I mean, it was, it was weird because obviously, you know, I know how to do the cooking side of things. That wasn't really an issue, but it's just all this sort of TV, TV stuff that comes yeah. with it. Like when you were waiting for your results, you had to do looking shots. So you'd have to just look at the back of someone's head for like three or four minutes so they could film you looking so they got footage to use. So you like hearts in your throat while you're waiting for these results. So they make you just look at the back of someone's head for a minute. You're like, come on. Did they, but, um, did they make you repeat any lines that you'd said from a different angle or anything like that? No, or... not really, no. I mean... Um, I guess you're too... No, no, they were very, very good like that, yeah. They, they, it wasn't, none of it was staged. And, and the nice thing about it was that they actually do eat the food hot. Like, okay. they don't mess around with it. Like, you plate it, you go and you eat it. There's there's literally no time yeah. for it to go cold or congeal or anything like that. So that's really nice. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a really good, uh, it seemed like a, a, a really good group that you had there. Like, yeah, it was. They were really nice, really and nice. And did you know most of the guys beforehand or not? No, I hadn't met any of them before. Oh, because I was like, because I always yeah. think it's so staged sometimes when they go, hi, nice to meet you. And then actually you turn up and it's like you've eaten in the guy's restaurant like 10 times already. No, well, Matt knows now, but I'd not met him and I hadn't met Dom or Alex either. No, so it was quite, it was nice, but it was genuine. Yeah, you, you sort of sat in a porter cabin before and they're like, right, so your turn to go in. And they're like, count you in, like three, two, one. And you're like... Feels like you're walking into the Truman Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so. I mean, you know, not to, <laughs> not to, not to compare the two. Certainly in terms of cooking, but you know, the sort of come dine with me experience. They genuinely, they're so anal about keeping you apart, so that you get a genuine reaction when you first meet each other and and stuff oh, like really? that. It's it's sort of. Yeah. So I mean, that's the that's the thing, right? Because you're used to being in the in the kitchen. Your job is cooking, delivering pleasure, delivering that food, and suddenly there's like an extra pressure on you. Well, everybody had their own cameraman on them, so you basically had one guy just following you around all day okay. for like twelve hours, and that was great. It took some getting used to because you'd walk up, and then uh, they were like, "If anything goes wrong, we need to know about it. Like, we, you know, you can't hide it." And like for my main course, I like overcooked the pumpkin that was going on the plate, and I just like took it out of the oven. And I was like, do, 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 and I just like slid it into the bin and noticed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What was it? What, was it the? Uh, it was. It was the venison, which you were kind of like worried that you hadn't rested for. Yeah, I was just like, I was. The thing is, I, I put all of my food up early. Like there was, I wasn't strapped for time, but I was just sort of panicking a little bit, so I carved it, and it wasn't. It just hadn't rested. Like, I should have just given it. Yeah. Two minutes, but you know, and just like, need to go, need to go, need to go now. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, well, but, I, I mean, guess, it was fine. Like. And I guess with um, with Brett and Mike, I mean, that's quite a formidable duo to be getting the very best venison kind of going. 
because it was it Sika that you cooked? Can't remember. It was white. It was white red deer that so, was from Brett's. From Brett's so this day, is yeah. the stuff at Ainho, right? That, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sort of, right. yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, because they were like, oh, we'll get the venison for you. I was like, no. <laughs> so, um, and tell us about uh, your kind of relationship. Actually, it sounds like an AA meeting. I was going to say your relationship <laughs> with wine. But um, what, <laughs> I meant, <laughs> what I meant was, you know, um, you know, are you a wine fan? Are you, you know, what do you drink? What do you like? Um, I would like to know a lot more about wine than I do but obviously it's just one of those things that comes with time yeah um I you know in well in the 13 years I've come come quite a long way like when I got here I remember me and my friend Millie used to, used to go to the corner shop and they used to have a, a shopping basket on the floor and it was two bottles for fivers so we used to buy but um probably wouldn't do that so much now great <laughs> um, for a tenner yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I like uh, white burgundy and, and um, California Chardonnay. That's basically and you're a big uh, champagne fan as well, right? I am a very big champagne fan, yes. I actually, um, the bottle of wine that I was going to drink this afternoon, I drank last night. So uh, <laughs> I've got a bottle of... Uh, I've got a, I've got a bottle of Charles Hyde stick in the fridge for later. Oh. We've actually got some really posh champagne that we've been given over the years, but I'm just too terrified to drink it because I just don't know, like... Can you, well, I mean, obviously you can just sit in your garden and drink an expensive bottle of champagne, but it just feels like a bit of a waste, I don't really. There, there, was, there, was, uh, there was a man who once famously said, Don Perignon's not a champagne, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. You'd never have to worry about that kind of, that kind of side of it. So, um, the, what, uh, what I, have you got any outrageous stories from, like, kitchens or from guests? or that kind of have you ever had any really narky customers or customers that won't leave i mean um, me aside at the Harwood, you mean well or ever really well, and just in general i mean yeah we've had all kinds of things we uh we've got cctv in the restaurants who can come work at, oh the best one of the best ones that we well, actually have i'll send you the video later um right so there's a guy sat at the bar eating dinner with this girl, or having snacks in it, and a glass of wine. And um, yeah, and they were having a glass of wine. And you see this girl walk past the window. She like double takes into the window like that. And then she comes in and she starts like, and it was obviously his girlfriend. <laughs> so then they go outside, and you just see her like walking around the face on. <laughs> that was that was one of the uh, highlights i mean there was a few not too long ago actually some um some guys were at the bar and they were really pissed and that they were on the bar stool and one of them just stood up and punched the other one and knocked him off the bar stool. <laughs> i mean that's the thing i mean that's i don't know if it's still the same but certainly in the in the sort of alex years you know sort of before you could alex and ann hill you know you forget that it's a pub, right? So on a football yeah. night, it's a on a football night. If you book the the, the sort of table twenty minutes before a football yeah. game, the place is mm. absolutely rammed. Does that still happen? Yeah. Does that sort of... It does still happen. Yeah, I mean the Chelsea, uh, the Chelsea, the, the drinkers that come to Chelsea know where they're allowed to stand and which tables they're allowed to sit on. Do you know, we don't really get any trouble from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they used to in the early days have quite a lot of trouble, but they're all pretty good now. Like, we basically reserve two tables that they can drink on and then and then that's it. That's um, amazing. Yeah. That's 
That's yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, but they're posh Chelsea fans, aren't they? <laughs> they yeah. live in Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, yeah, fair enough. Well, um, so I've just got one, I've got one last uh, question that's come from Alice across the table. Um, and she's just asked, what is your favourite time of the year in terms of seasonal food and basically the ingredients and... So maybe something out of now. now. So, <laughs> yeah. so now, something now that you'd recommend and something out of now that you also love. Uh, I mean, right now, obviously, asparagus. Yeah. In any way, shape or form possible. Um, I'm actually going to try making an asparagus and cheddar tart at some point, maybe tomorrow for lunch. Um, yeah. Which would be really nice. Yeah. I love asparagus and eggs. Like, you just can't. Yeah. Can't. I actually did it with... Um, Smoked Codro last year, like I made my own time myself from not Codro from Turbot Road, and that was really nice. Nice. Um, we'd like I did like brown bread croutons and lemon zest with it. That was nice. But you just got to keep it dead simple with asparagus. Though I hate it when people mess around with it too much. Just, just yeah. Um, and then and then what you want? Uh, so then, so like, and then what else do I like to eat? Let's say an autumnal. <laughs> what would be your ideal? autumnal so autumnal kind of meal thing um anything with mashed potato like mashed potato <laughs> yeah, yeah, is you. my yeah, favorite mate. thing i could literally eat mashed potato every day for the rest of my life and never get bored of it there was one point where i had like i had mash i had mashed potato i had colcana and then i had clapshot which is like a turnip and swede mash all on the menu, and I was like, maybe, maybe I've gone a bit too mad with the mash here. Like, maybe yeah. everyone doesn't like it as much as me. Um, but yeah, like venison Wellington mashed potato is definitely the best. Venison Wellington and mashed potato. Mm. Alice is not a mashed potato fan, and really, I could have. So, Even with truffle in it. Oh, yeah, she said. Mm. Um, <laughs> I could, I could basically. The problem for me is, I, I love. I love eating great food. I love eating at these sort of places. But my real love is like chicken Kiev chips and beans or like <laughs> something with like mashed potato and beans is like my yeah. ideal. Mashed potato think... and beans in the same meal? Sorry? Mashed potato and beans on the oh, same sure. plate? Yeah, sure, yeah, big time. So <laughs> I don't really get the chance to do it that often because when we cook at home, I mean, we eat out a lot for work anyway, but when we cook at home, like... You know, we cook normal food that humans eat, not food that four-year-olds eat. And basically, <laughs> I just like eating four-year-olds' food. But yeah, so mashed potato, I'm definitely my two. My two favourites are like a horseradish mash with Ooh, um, yeah. with beef, and I love. Yeah. Uh, so normally, like uh, no, or a must a mustard mash, but then a horseradish and caper mash. Mm. Good, yeah. I did um, a parsley mash with veal and morels last year. That Say was that good. again. I did a parsley mash. So I made like a parsley puree and folded it through the mash with morels. That was really good. Um, would you have that with like a... I'd like that with a roast ham. We had it with veal, but yeah, you could, ham would be delicious. Yeah. yeah. See, now you're talking. So um, I've, allowed, <laughs> I've allowed for the... For the uh, Alice, I... I, I what? Um, so yeah, so basically Alice is cooking tonight. So nice. um, we've uh, so it's a fifty-fifty. It's uh, partly extravagant and partly ready meal. We've bought one of those 
um, sort of lobster thermidor kits where they send you the stock and the lobsters. No, there were such things as lobster thermidor kits. Yeah, you can buy the whole kit, right? <laughs> the so most thing I've ever and they send you a thing and they <laughs> do this, do this, do this. Okay. So, um, so we're going to do that tonight and maybe I'll get some mashed potato with it. Yeah. Can I come? Yeah. <laughs> Right, well, I tell you what, that's what hasn't been done. And I don't want to sound like sort of Mrs. Crockett from the Vigor of Dibley, but shellfish and mashed potato is there's definitely a market in there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I put like crayfish through Colcannon, and that's delicious. Do you say that again? Mm. We put crayfish through Colcannon and serve it with cod. That's good. Oh, we've we, also start, just started doing English prawns in the last year. From Lincolnshire, so we've been putting prawns through mash as well, and that is tasty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in for some of that. Right, well, I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much, and I no can't worries. wait until um, the restaurant reopens. Yeah, well, I've been toying with the idea of doing takeaway at the moment, so I'm just going to try and run the numbers on that. So you're spending, sorry, just as a sideline, so you're spending a lot of time in this NHS kitchen, is that right? Yes. Well, it's it's actually Repertorio Felix, which is a homeless shelter in okay. Court. Um, so, yeah, we're cooking about, well, we're up to 370 meals a day now for various different charities. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so, and then you're thinking about, um, you're thinking about, Harwood, uh, well, maybe, yeah. I mean, obviously, just depends on how long this goes on for. We can't just not do anything forever, and I think that people would be quite happy to order scotch eggs and you know, roast. Or... Couldn't agree more. And I tell you, yeah. what, I've, got, I've got a friend who would keep you in business just from the takeaway donuts, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, so, so much of it lend itself so well, and like. I could make pies and stuff and just cook reheat instructions for people to cook at home. So Yeah, amazing. But we'll amazing. see. Right. Well, watch this space. Exactly that. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time. No worries. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. See you soon, Gareth. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye.